This is The Next Turn, the home of conversations about skiing, ski racing, and sport. I'm your host, Martin Wilson, and after a lifetime as an athlete and a coach and with a deep love of skiing, I wanted to take a deep dive and conduct honest conversations with the sport's most successful athletes, coaches, and forward thinkers. Join me in my pursuit of better, to be better coaches, better athletes, better parents, and better fans. Welcome back to The Next Turn. Thanks so much for joining us again. And uh, I wanted to say a special thanks to last week's guest, uh, Michelle Justine, who was so open and honest with her time and just great insight. And it sounds like a lot of you enjoyed her insights as well. This week, as always, I'm joined uh, alongside me with Jeff and Kara. How are you? Hey, Martin, I'm great. I uh, hope you are well as well. Uh, just a reminder, we want uh, folks to visit us at thenextturn.com and please share your thoughts of the day with us. We'd really like your feedback uh, and not just about how sexy Martin's voice is. Kara? <laughs> hey guys, good to see you again. Um, yeah, we've had a couple of really great interviews uh, with uh, starting with Alice Merriweather and then moving on with uh, the incomparable Michelle Jazine. Um, I've been really enjoying seeing people's uh, comments and posts on Instagram. And if you're not following us already, please do so. On Instagram, we are at Next Turn Podcast. On Facebook, you can find us at The Next Turn Podcast. Been really enjoying um, hearing all your questions, Martin. You've been really uh, bringing up some interesting themes and, and feedback from these ladies. And I can't wait to hear uh, tonight's interview. Well, so far, so good, huh? Um, and we're going to continue this opening theme of, of some strong, powerful women in the sport of skiing. Um, and quite frankly, we've got a whole bunch of other interviews that we have done with a cross-section of athletes um, from younger ones to older ones in different stages of their career. And Kara, we've, Jeff and I have sort of challenged you and Amy, our producer, to go make some sense of those and see what you can find out. How are you doing with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Amy and I are kind of doing a bit of a deep dive into uh, these bits and pieces of interviews from uh, from skiers from all over the place. It's kind of like the past, present, and future of the sport. It's interesting to hear what these athletes have to say about uh, what motivates them, how they keep themselves in the game, um, how they interact with their teammates, with their coaches, and uh, just how they're interested in the love of the sport. Yeah, it's uh, it, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and from my 20,000 foot view, it seems like there's some themes to come up, but I'm really trying to have an open mind in, in, in seeing what you come up with. And on that note, this week's guest, Deb Armstrong, who is, um, very thought provoking, has some great ideas and experience. Um, she's joining us, huh, Jeff? We had a great conversation with her a few weeks ago. We did, Martin, and uh, to be honest, I, I didn't know who Deb was until you introduced me, but uh, she's a bit of a big deal. Uh, Deborah Ray Armstrong, known as Deb Doss from Seattle, Washington, 1984 gold medalist, of course, in the GS at Sarajevo, spent seven years on the national team, and then uh, has a YouTube channel, is a ski instructor, uh, entrepreneur. She's been a ski school director, and according to her Facebook page, a mom, seeker of adventure, writer, ski coach, and of course, Olympic champion. So looking forward to the feedback on this interview as well. Well, here we go. Here's Deb Armstrong and Jeff and I had a great chance to talk with her. 
Deb, uh, welcome to the next turn. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for finding me and thank you for having me. Um, much appreciated. That's a great introduction from Jeff. My introduction um, for you in my life was at 11 years old. I remember watching um, the Serie of Olympics with my mother during the day and she was hooting and hollering about this girl, Deb Armstrong, who was, in her words, had some grit and some spit and some fire. Um, and I remember watching the race at 11 years old, but more importantly, I remember that evening watching the medal ceremony and you up there smiling and laughing and giggling. And after seeing what you did that day, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I thought I could do that. I'd be yeah. able to do that. So thank you for that inspiration. What was it like? We'll keep it keep generic right off the bat. But what was it like that moment on there? 20 years age, you've earned it. You're sitting up there. What's that yep. like? You know what? It's it's surreal. I was a real sports fan. I had watched a Summer Olympics and Winter Olympics. I knew as a kid I wanted to go to the Olympics, but I didn't know if that was summer or winter. Uh, as it turned out, it ended up being winter. And I knew when I was on that podium and having a gold medal wrapped around my neck that the planet was watching. And I'm not a crier. I'm a laugher. That was my release. And I just knew that my best friend's grandmother's roommate at the nursing home, I mean, was going to have a connection to this, that everybody was going to make a connection to me and I was able to reach them. And yeah, it, it, uh, it, it was awesome. Was that the highlight of your career on paper, on Google, it, on Wikipedia it is? Is it for you? You, you know, for me personally, as an athlete, and I think any athlete could tell you this, when you have a big event and you have a plan and you actually execute the plan, when there are a million variables that could either go wrong or work in your favor, there's a lot that you have control over. There's some that you don't have control over. When everything falls into place, that is pretty darn epic. And that's what happened in Sarajevo. Leading into Sarajevo, I had very good results. Uh, so I was there to win a medal. Was it the highlight of my career? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it would have to be. Um, while there were a lot of other uh, very meaningful, significant uh, steps along the way, uh, this is the, the race that we're talking about today. <laughs> now, now, since then, you've made a whole new career of yourself uh, for yourself as a consultant, as a coach, administrator, um, you've come a long way. Sort of where where do you see um, your real niche now? You've got a strong YouTube channel uh, presence there. Where's your voice now, and what are you really working on in your world? Yeah, well, when I finished racing, I went to college, got my degree in history, and when I finished that degree, I had to answer the question, what am I going to do with my life? What do I need on a daily basis to be happy? And that took me back to the mountains, uh, took me to movement, I'm an athlete, and it took me to mentorship and teaching and communicating. That's what I loved. And ultimately, it just took me right back to the ski industry uh, I pursued my certifications through PSIA. I didn't want to be Deb Armstrong, the gold medalist for the rest of my life and be insecure about communicating skiing. I got so much from the models of PSIA uh, and, and teaching and the people that I met and going all the way through that organization up to the PSIA Alpine team. 
So from that point, um, I, I accessed the best of what PSAA had to offer and really infused my knowledge. And I blended that with what I felt was the best that ski racing had to offer in, in coaching and what ski racing was and technique. And I really cherry picked from each organization and blended that with my experience as an accomplished skier and my understanding at a cellular level of what good skiing is and what balanced skiing is. And with that, I was able to come up with kind of my Deb Armstrong model and meeting people on the hill. And I, I just, I love teaching skiing and the, the YouTube channel has really been awesome because it's all me. It's just a hundred percent my personality and, and my style and my passion. And uh, I think people appreciate that and uh, have enjoyed the channel. Um, there's a lot of really great stuff on it. And for people that haven't seen it, I really encourage them to, to go take a look. It's, and there's a, a broad cross-section of information and subject matter. On that note, one of them that really struck my attention was the video that you posted recently on your YouTube channel um, about the Lang Girl posters and a very iconic uh, ad campaign that we all grew up with. Um, and you did a really interesting take on it. Um, why don't you speak about that? Well, I think we all know the Lang Girl posters. We grew up with those in the 70s and they were very popular and they're still around to this day in ski shops, uh, retail and back in the, the, the closets and all. Uh, I saw a, a video on social media not long ago and in the background there was a Lang Girl poster. It was a modern Lang Girl poster. And it was in that video, and it was just like the air you breathe. It's like the water you drink. But there was that image of this, Julia Mancuso actually, who's one of the great uh, skiing great champions. And she had made that choice to be in that video. But from, from my standpoint, uh, here we are, you know, we're, we're sexualizing these, these women. And it, it just burdened me and bother, bothered me that, uh, you know, we don't see images like that of men. Uh, and we do see images to this day of women where women are really trying to gain traction for their skill, for their accomplishments, for their grit and toughness, and, and really um, being there on par to skill level with guys. And it, it's hard to be viewed on par and taken seriously when, when we have a little bit of this distraction. So. What I wanted to do with the Lang Girl poster was I wanted to interview young girls, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, show them these photos and get their response of these. And I, when I interviewed the girls, I tried to ask very open-ended questions. I did not want to bias these girls whatsoever. I showed the images and these young girls were very, very uncomfortable. They didn't, they were confused by the photos. They wanted to see a photo of, of the female racers on the podium with the World Cup globe in hand and just a rocking powerful ski photo. But instead they're, they're seeing these girls in bathing suits and ski boots. Um, one of the girls I didn't put in the video, who was 10, who was really uncomfortable by the images. I asked her the question, how do you think you're gonna feel about this type of image when you're 16? She said, oh, I'll be used to it by then. I said, no, 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 no. 
No, that's not the point. We do not want you to be dumbed down about this type of imaging and have the sense that this is who you're supposed to become. Mm -hmm. You keep being your powerful speed racing self. So it was just my commentary and uh, got some pushback, but my YouTube channel, I, I try to have commentary across the board about a wide variety of ski topics. Uh, you know, Deb, what, what was really interesting is um, I showed it to my daughter, 21-year-old uh, ski racer, skiing at university, skied provincially. And I also showed it to my wife, who's 51. And uh, the reactions were similar but different. You know, so the 21-year-old uh, said, uh, in one hand, I think the marketing was a bit ingenious because this, the posters are in every ski shop uh, that you go into. Yeah. And I understand that some of those ski racers that chose to be in there probably got paid, you know, money from their sponsors, Lang or whoever it was. Um, and I asked her, well, if Rosniel asked you to model right now, would you? And she said, yeah. And I, she said, but not like that. Uh, you know, in my ski stuff, wearing my downhill suit, you know, that's fine. And then my wife said, they're not still making those, are they? <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because people say, well, they're getting paid. And that is absolutely right. Uh, um, but it's, but it's, if we just try to take gender out of it, you know, the, the men, why is it that we're not seeing that type of poster of the men? And why is it that ski companies are wanting to pay the women to make that type of poster? And, and who is the poster, uh, who is the audience for that poster? It is, it is men, it is not women. And so you wanna know what? When we get to a day where we are on par, where women are not trying to get beyond being sexualized, objectified, that sort of thing, when, when that's a completely a thing of the past, when men and women are being marketed to kind of on par for their voice, for their skill, uh, and, and all of that, then, you know, we can look at individuals, um, Peyton Manning, you know, selling underwear or Julia Mancuso selling underwear, you know, that kind of, but right now we're, we're just not there. There, there's a different standard and a different eye, uh, when we're viewing women in sports and men in sports. Thank, thank you for that. And, and I know it's, as a former coach, it's something that is, is, is important. It's on the radar of everybody, gender and sport, and what do we do um, to make sure that, that young female athletes have a pathway forward. Um, but it's much bigger than that, is make sure we have coaches. And I know you have some broader ideas of, of how, wh what the situation is with gender and sport, but also what some of the fixes and solutions and some of the ideas you have. Well, you know, we have sports in general, and that's one thing. And then we all, then we have ski racing and, or skiing in general. And for this, we're talking about skiing. And, and in skiing, you know, historically, it's, it's more European. It, it came from there. And uh, PSIA, for example, you know, was initially modeled by a European system. And, and we all can remember in the old days that very dominant hierarchical system of I am the professional, I am the dominant, you will do this. And, and those were men. And, uh, and uh, to this very day, when we think about FIS and we think about international competition, it is a man's game. You know, the, the referees and, 
you know, fit. I mean, th these are men that are that are making making the rules. And and we think about USA skiing. Uh, I mean, whether it's freestyle or jumping or alpine, let's say there's a hundred coaches. One of those is going to be female. I mean, I mean, it's 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 just kind of crazy. And and when I was on the national team in the '80s as a female, uh, surrounded by men who were running the sport, I craved having a female around. Uh, and you know, if we were to reverse it, I mean, could we imagine? And we just laugh at this idea, but. For the, the men's downhill team, uh, a World Cup downhill team is being coached all by women. I mean, that sounds like a ludicrous idea. Uh, it, I mean, all of these things, if we just flip it, if we flip it, it it's ludicrous. But if, if we're talking about women, then it's just acceptable. It's, that's how it is. Um, to get more female coaches, it's a whole, it's a system. It's systemic, right? We have... We have, we have probably equal numbers of young female racers and young male racers. Uh, and let's think about the culture uh, that the, those two groups are living within. Um, the young female racers, young male racers, the majority of the coaches that those racers are going to get are men. Um, let's look at the, the imaging for those young female athletes. Are they seeing lane girl posters? Uh, what, how are they being barded on, on the planet about who they should be? And so those 16-year-old girls making decisions about staying in the sport, are they getting more accolades? Are they getting more attention? Are they getting more Facebook hits and likes on Instagram for wearing the bathing suit? And then look at my trick when I'm skiing. Unlike the guys who just have got the cool trick and they've got 10,000 followers. I mean, how are the women getting attention? How are the women getting sponsorships? Moving on um, to athletes growing older, uh, uh, finding female talent to be coaches. That female talent, you, you need to be recruited. You need to be encouraged. You have to have mentorship. You have to have modeling before you. What they say is if you can see it, you can be it. Mm -hmm. So if there's Karen Harjo, U.S. Ski Team female coach. Girls can see Karen there now, so maybe they'll dream of, of that path. But then there's something else um, for the, the people who are doing the hiring for ski clubs and let's say the boards of nonprofits. How many women are on your board? If, if, you're, if you don't have 30% of females on your board, then there's not, then the one or two women on your board, they're not going to make a difference. The Harvard's business review or whatever says you need 30% representation of women on your board to really make a difference. Is that happening in the ski world? I don't know. So there's so many things we can talk about here. It's very systemic, but it takes a lot more resolve. It takes a lot of encouragement and we, we need to work really hard at this. So hey, Kara, uh, Deb had some some really great things to say about uh, gender and uh, gender equality and role models and females being represented at all levels of the sport, not just uh, as athletes, but also as coaches and mentors and and board members. And you know, she was pretty passionate about what the Lang girls posters and that advertising represented. 
So it'll be really interesting to hear, you know, your take on it. Yeah, Jeff, I think uh, I remember those Lang posters like, uh, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s and they were in every ski tuning shack that I've ever been in. They've been in every, you know, guys, Whistler, condo, chalet, whatever that I've been into for sure. Um, and I also remember, uh, I think we've come a long way because I remember back in um, the early 2010s, around 2012 or 13, um, there was a bit of a, a, not an uprising, but a bunch of girls who kind of came forward and said, you know what, enough is enough. Um, there's a magazine who uh, was known for doing a Maxim type spread of the hottest chicks in free skiing. Um, and a couple of the girls were featured in there against their wishes and they called them out on it. Um, I remember one of the quotes was from Lindsay Dyer and she said, one of the most progressive trends in skiing today is that women rising up as legitimate athletes beyond their value as models to sell a product. And I, I just, I remember reading that and thinking, holy cow, like she just nailed it. She nailed it with that. Um, I did some, some digging um, in preparation for this interview and I went back and I looked at this, um, this magazine's website and actually they've come a long way. I was really surprised and, and impressed. Um, they are still doing a hottest chicks in free skiing, but they, um, they recently did something about pioneers of women. Um, and they're no longer showing them just in their, in their underwear and their bathing suits and in hot tubs and stuff. Um, they featured people like Susie Chafee, Kim Reichelm, Kristen Ulmer, Allison Gannett, Wendy Fisher. Um, and they also did a hottest chicks in free skiing, the reigning Queens, where they, where they highlighted um, Elise Sogstad and Michelle Parker, Angel Collinson, Jackie Peso. Like these girls are, they're killing it today. And there's not a single picture of them doing something other than ripping hard in snow. It's so awesome to see. I think we've come a long way and it's, it's, uh, it's very inspiring. Oh, Kara, that was great. Thanks so much for that. And Deb has a lot more to say. I'm looking forward to the next part of the interview. And here is Deb Armstrong with Martin Wilson on the next turn. I just wanted to go a little bit deeper into it. Um, you had some good solutions, but we're, we're hemorrhaging um, young athletes at 14, 15 years of age. Um, and, and while I agree that it is a systemic problem, it's gonna take some time to root out um, and come up with some good solutions. What do you think we can do now? Like what, why are we losing half the field between 14 and 16 years age on that. And are, are you saying we're losing more more girls than we are boys at that age? Yeah, so I, yeah. Jeff was looking at Jeff was looking at some data and he was seeing at, at a U14 race, the fields are about 120, 120 everywhere you go, they're full fields. And when you get to U16, it goes to about 120 boys to about 90 girls. And then you get into a fist race and it's 140 boys and it's about 65, 70 girls. Yeah. Well, you want to know what? I'm not going to sit here and say that I have the answer by any means. I, I have thoughts. And if we're going to stick with this gender thing, th there's just no question about it with these young women to have only male coaches around them or maybe the token every now and then female coach. There's no way in the world those guys are going to inspire those female athletes in the same way. Now, female athletes are, can be very, very inspired by a male coach, but you're not gonna hit everybody. I mean, you just need to have equal and broad representation because 
you, you've got a broad representation of personalities uh, with the young boys and with the young girls. And so, I don't know, I think, I think it is quite the egomaniac to think that they can reach every child uh, of, of either gender. But I've seen so many male coaches say, Deb, I got this. I've coached girls, I've coached women my whole life. I've got it. I know what they are, I know the language. I'm like, don't give me that. That's just upsetting because that type of language to me shows a closed mindset to what is going on here. That, that every female athlete and every male athlete needs women and men in their lives. And then beyond that, just needs high quality, just needs the best. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we're keeping a large segment of the population away, female coaches, then I, I don't think we're, we're meeting, uh, especially those young women, um, the, in ways that are necessary. I, no, I think you make a lot of sense. And I like the point that you made that where it's not just where, we get exposed with some drop-offs in different genders. I think the problems are the same for young men and for young women as far as coaches. We're just not connecting with them the way that we could. We're not necessarily meeting them where they're at. And because we're trying to do it all our one, uh, oneself, as opposed oh. to a cross-section of coaches and just setting up environments and, and a little more team coaching and with parents and whoever. But I, I do think that we get exposed a little bit more on the female side at that age group, 14 to 16, the reactions are a little bit more apparent than they are on the male side. You know, I, I, I just look forward to the day where we're really not talking about male or female, that yeah. we are talking about people and quality. Uh, and so, you know, we've got young men who, and young boys who, who needs something in particular. And, you, you know, and then you've got young girls and young women who need something in particular. You've got young boys who are very aggressive. You've got young girls who are very aggressive. You've got young boys who are a little more timid. You've got young girls who are a little more timid. I mean, mm -hmm. we just have people. And with that, we need to have mentorship and we need to have leaders and we need to have coaches that that represent and can tap into that full spectrum of the individual. And if, and if we primarily just have male coaches, then it's the very rare person who can hit all of that from empathy to, to aggression to you know the, the, the full deal. Um. I like that a lot. It, it it makes a lot of sense. And I think we we need to do that for coaches as well. Set up an environment that's just a little less toxic and a little more forgiving and meet coaches where they're at too. And I think that way we can be a better service as well. We, we, we've spoken before. It's really tough to, to cop to honest mistakes as a coach. I failed connecting with kids in different stages of my career and it and it sucks to do it but it, sometimes you get there by honest intent um but there's not a lot of room to to ask for forgiveness in the industry and, and so that sort of just a healthier environment for the athletes i think would be 
benefiting coaches too, that we can be a little bit more growth mindset as coaches as well. You know, I think, I think with coaching and I think with teaching, uh, we just need a lot more humility. Our industry is say that again. Say that again. We need a lot more humility. Our industry is filled with ego, and and why is that? I am not sure. I don't know. What I do believe is that there's not enough humility. There's not enough empathy for for everybody. I mean, and the way in my mind humility comes into play is. As a coach, as a ski instructor, do do you believe that your words and only your words, because you are so smart and you've got the answer, is going to be the light bulb of everything? Now, I was on the U.S. ski team. I won a gold medal. And I can tell you, being an athlete my whole life, I can remember maybe three things my coaches ever told me. Ever. What are they? I want to know. I, 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 now I don't even remember what okay, they. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but, but the point is, is I, I didn't remember things that coaches told me. I remember following, be, making turns behind Tamara McKinney. I'll never forget it. That moment taught me more than anything else. Now I probably have coaches who are taking credit because I changed my skiing. That change came from me following Tamara McKinney. Um, other, other lessons learned from the mountain, other lessons learned from the situation of a ski race, not the words from my coach. And I think the coach, there's such ego and not enough humility. The coach's job, in my view, the instructor's job, in my view, really is facilitating, facilitating these learning moments so that or, or situations so that learning can happen. And that takes a lot of listening, a lot of empathy, compassion, a lot of paying attention. In, in skiing, I think we could use more of that. Hey, Deb, I totally agree. I, I've never seen more ego in my life until I got into ski coaching. Um, but Martin and I talked about this, but I don't you think, you know, everyone you need positive reinforcement as a human being, right? So if you get in the world of ski coaching and then you have a successful athlete, you want to, you want to be able to say that I had something to do with that. I think, um, what you need to do is be humble about you had something to do with it, as opposed to the only reason that Deb Armstrong made the Olympics is because of me. It makes no sense. And, and I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly on we need to be better at being humble and being connected and understanding that we can't we don't know everything and that there are so much more to learn from, as you say, the mountain uh, following people from listening, listening to your athletes, for an example, letting, giving them a voice, having, letting them have a say. So. Well, I've had a lot of coaches in my life and, uh, and I, I respect uh, and admire and appreciate all of these coaches in my life. None of those coaches um, they might be able to tell you what, what they think in terms of the impact that they had on me. And what I would say is they have no clue as to what particular impact they had. And I think it, as coaches, people do like to take credit. But 
when you're taking credit, you look pretty foolish because if you were to ask the athlete, the, the coach really does not know the impact the, and that moment when the light bulb went off and really what matters. That's in the athlete. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's, a, that's an interesting thing. You could say, yes, I knew them once. I used to hang yes, I crossed paths with them. I've skied with them before. I I've skied with them before. I've skied with them before. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Um, that's really interesting um, about the ego and, and just changing the environment and a little more humility and empathy. I think the world as a whole could, could learn a little bit from that. Well, and, and what I'll say is, and, and again, I, I, have a, I have strong opinions and I put them out there and you can, people can agree or not agree and, and I'm biased and I, I come from my vantage point. I, and I'll get pushback on this probably, but skiing is so male. And it's said earlier that, that the ego in skiing is greater than just about anywhere else that we've experienced. And I think those two go together. I think the ski industry needs more female leadership. I and more female on boards and more female coaches. And I think, and more female instructors. Uh, and, and I would hope with that could, and more of a balance in the culture. Uh, and hopefully with that, we'll, we'll get more of a balance of, of humility and empathy and all that. But, but don't get me wrong, there are plenty of women with large egos, myself included. Uh, ego is not a bad thing, but it's just how, how we direct all this. Welcome back to the next turn in our interview with Deb Armstrong. Uh, Jeff, I love when Deb says that she's biased because she's coming at this from her own perspective. And that's, I mean, She's got 40 years of experience. Of course, she's coming at this with her own perspective when she talks about ego, humility, um, the growth mindset in, in athletes and in coaches. I just, I just find what she's saying so interesting. And the next part of the interview, uh, Martin and you dig a little deeper. We do, Kara. And, you know, I like the fact that, that she's raising these points, but I really think we are progressing in this area, as you talked about with the, the magazine and, uh, and, you know, you know, from, from some of the women you work with, we we have some really strong women who are role models and, and, and great coaches in our sport. Oh, absolutely. I feel really lucky um, in my position. I'm, I'm the head coach of my program. Uh, the woman uh, who's the head coach of the U14 program is also a ripping, awesome, inspiring woman. And we have um, a female running our U16 program at the highest level of our ski club. So I mean, it, it's, I think we're the exception, hopefully um, not for too long, but um, we're leading the way and I love it. Thanks, Kara. And just a quick reminder, don't forget to check out our friends at 4950whatton.com. They've been so gracious in lending us a hand getting this podcast off the ground. So uh, thanks to Sammy and, and our friends at 4951.com. Now back to Deb. It's funny because I struggled with that aspect as a coach for a long time. I was a young, I was young and found success early as a coach and had a, some stuff going. I struggled with it because there, 
there's a level of bravado that's needed to to keep going and, and sort of earn your seat at the table and that's daily with an athlete and a parent like new parent every year it's like new parents it's like all right kid what do you got you know what i mean what do you got and, and I struggle with that because that's not an, a. I'm a Canadian. I, I'm self-deprecating. I, I <laughs> like. I I have a harder time doing that, and I think that's what yeah. needs to to sort of diffuse a little bit. So in five years' time, that's not the coach we're talking about. Yeah, I think you know. I think there needs to be an, an a, a humbleness and an introspection. I I a coach. An Alp, when was the last time an Alpine coach was really humble? And how in the world can you meet athletes where they're at? If you're not humble, if you're not empathetic, you, you're just missing it. You're missing the boat. To me, that's the whole game. That's the whole game changer, right? If, if, you, if, if, if as a coach, you're not being honest and reflective and open yeah and if you're but that's the problem it's like i remember going into to academy meetings you know i was a pg coach and you do your year-end meetings and everybody's talking about how well they did and how well they did I, and i'm the one going in there i didn't do so well in these areas and, and i need to and i got railed on yeah but but i think i was the only one really being honest and fair about what i had to do better Absolutely. And I, I, this, and again, I think, I think the, the maleness culture, those guys aren't going to get there on their own period. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You know, we need to have podcasts like this. You need to get more women out there and, and not all female coaches are going to be introspective and doing that. I mean, we just, you need a, a diversity of people because you know, men are on, on the spectrum of different styles and women are on the spectrum of different styles. And, you know, it, it's, it's not about male or female. It's about offering these values and characteristics and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think, too, so, a, a, cross, a cross section of staff. Yeah, yeah. And age also, because I, I mentioned everything, earlier. Everything. Age, I think, is really, really important. And... Uh, and, and that's where it gets tricky because I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I've skied much in Europe, but I, I seem to remember when I was skiing in Europe a lot that there, there were coaches who were a little bit older because they were really able to make a full fledged living and career out of coaching. And in our country, I don't know, it's, we're, we're, more and more are able to have a career this way, but yeah. but a lot something else. A lot, you know, they have this this job and career when they're younger, and then they do move on to something else, and so we lose a lot of talent. And uh, I I think that in our ski racing suffers as a result. I mean, our junior programming. I I do think we need older. Um experience and approach and savvy more yodas yeah you need the yodas and there there's a few of them but you, you need some female yodas and um i think there are i think there's like i think you're really starting to see katie twible 
Christina Novello, Karen Hart, you know, like those are some really strong yeah. people, Absolutely. just people, Absolutely. female or, or strong people, just people. 100%. And the fact they come in a female form is really important because we need more of that. But I'm with you 100%. I like to think a little bit further down the road and then backfill so we can have actionable items now. Where do, what do you think we need to be doing in five years' time to have healthier programs and, and healthier athletes? What's on your radar? Well, I- uh, I think retention, retention of women in the sport, female coaches, uh, and retention is tough because when we think about retention, we're, we're generally considering a model that currently exists. And the model that currency currently exists probably serves the male model, male coach more so than it does the female model. And so are, why are we losing female coaches for whatever reason? Are they getting paid enough? Are they being mentored? Are they encouraged? Do they want to be mom? So I, I do think that we have to look at the, the model that currently exists, and it's probably going to take some shifts. That's a lot of resolve. It's a lot of open-minded and exploring. I'll tell you this. Uh, there are women out there who would like to coach, and, but they, they need some partnering with people to figure out the model that's going to work. Deb, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad we got to connect. um, And hopefully we can work together in the future, steering people your way and our way. Absolutely, guys. I enjoyed it. A lot of fun. We'll be in touch. So here we go with thoughts of the day. Jeff, after a great interview with Deb, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts of the day? Oh, there's so many things, Martin, that we we talked about in this interview. And Deb has certainly has a lot to say. And she she does have uh, some bias and some opinions, as we talked about. Uh, but I think a lot of, you know, the things we talked about make sense, like, especially when it surrounds the retention of women in the sport. And we talked about that at all levels, you know, the data you know, certainly anecdotally suggests that women start to drop off U16 and first couple of years of FIS and they probably want to go get an education and, and leave the sport and, and the numbers dwindle. And, and I don't have all the answers. And much like Deb said, she doesn't profess to know all the answers, which I thought was great. And we're just, you know, it's part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast is to ask those important questions and to talk about those and have those discussions about how do we keep women in sport, not just in the racing but to Deb's point, how do we keep more women involved in coaching and and mentoring and board members, that kind of thing? I, I, I like to that at least she was venturing to some solutions. Like she was making an effort to move forward. And you know, you both mentioned that there was some progress made over the last few years. Um, I just like that she keeps pushing for more of an evolution. Yeah, I, I think it's it's I think we're going in that direction, Martin. And I think, as Kara mentioned earlier, that we're we are making progress in in those areas. And you know, my thoughts of the day I certainly have a way more to think about because I have so many great questions throughout it. But uh, I'm going to pass it over to to Kara. Kara, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, like you guys, I, I have so many uh, takeaways from this interview. I think Deb, uh, she touches on so many topics, but I really loved it. It really hit home with me when she talked about young racers and she said, if you see it, you can be it. Um, she gives her opinion um, for sure about Lang girls and about uh, sexualization uh, of females in sport. Um, she also poses many questions. Um, I'm not even sure I can entirely commit to a thought of the day. Um, as a mother of a 10 year old girl, this interview made me thoughtful. And I feel like I almost need some time to sit back and relax and, and, and reflect on, on all the things that she talked about, um, the questions that she didn't answer or the questions that she posed us or just kind of left hanging in the air. Um, I'm honestly, I'm thankful that Deb is still a resource and that she's still involved in the ski industry 35 plus years after winning her Olympic uh, gold medal. It was an awesome, awesome interview. Yeah, she's she's become more of a resource um, th than most people in her position because she's pushing forward. Well, and talk about the ultimate retention. I mean, this woman has been in it for decades and she's giving back and she's involved in the instructor side of, of the sport and really being a student of, you know, really geeking out on the nuts and bolts of an actual turn and how to make the proper turn. I thought it was uh, super cool and well done. Um, Martin, what are, what do you take away from this interview? Well, first, I, I love that you're giving her the props that she deserves. Thank you for that. She really does deserve a whole lot of credit for everything she's done from 1984 on. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I'm with you two. I have a lot to think about. Um, she, there's a lot of questions in there. There's a lot of statements that I want to revisit and sort of kick around a little bit. Um, and even though this was heavily focused on gender, for me, I'm not sure this was necessarily a gender takeaway for me. For me, this was about growth mindset. It was about humility. It was about introspection. That to me is the takeaway of, of how we can better serve everybody in the sports. It's coaches being, you know, more introspective and have a more growth mindset it's parents having the same thing it's athletes having this it's board of directors having this opportunities to real take or to take real stock of what we do well and not so well um and to me that isn't necessarily about male or female yeah we need to fill those positions and and have more mentorship and and see it to be it but to me, this is just about, let's just be a little bit better humans and that will make us better coaches. That for me is our, like where I'm sitting right now. Awesome, Martin. Thanks very much for that. And as always, please share your thoughts with us at thenextturnpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and we will share that feedback if you share with us. Jeff, Martin, what's next for the next turn? Well, we have a couple cool ones coming up. Um, Griffin Post, World Free Ski Champion. We get a uh, chat with him coming up. And also on the injured reserve list, we have Atlee McGrath from Norway. He was kind enough to give us some time and he's an up and coming around the World Cup and has a lot of cool stuff to say. So we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up on the next turn. We hope you join us on behalf of Kara and Jeff. Thanks so much. See you soon on the next turn.